of Jesus. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I think it probably says at least a little bit about us that the very second that we hear this text, we immediately start looking for loopholes. Because after all, there's a lot at stake. But you know, it's all right. Because, I mean, first of all, let me tell you, God helps those who help themselves. I'm pretty sure that's in the Bible, at least somewhere. Never mind the rest of the religion where Jesus only helps the sinners who can't, by their own reason or strength, believe and be saved. And you know what? I do give to charity, probably more than most people. And a lot of people can make that argument. But the maddening parts is that nobody is left out for what they did but because of what they didn't do. Or maybe I can get on my Lutheran horse and get really uncomfortable with this, so much so that before the text is even read, we need to sing a hymn that just emphasizes the point, Jesus saves, not our works. So, you know, we can just pretend that everything written in this text about how important it is to help the least of these, Jesus puts a nice little bow on that by saying, just kidding, at the end. We hear this text, and we are immediately so uncomfortable with Jesus' assessment that we sort of miss the fact that everybody else is too. Everybody's uncomfortable with what Jesus has to say about them. The sheep and the goats, both. The goats, they think they did enough. They trusted in themselves, and they don't like what they're hearing. They didn't do enough. But it wasn't. They, they didn't care about doing these good things. It was that they somehow missed somebody. The thing is, though, the sheep don't really see it either. One thing, and one thing only, makes them uncomfortable. They don't want to be judged on their works. Even the concept bothers them, even after hearing the fact that they are in. They can be told, you're in, everything's fine, but look at your works. And they immediately get uncomfortable because they would much rather trust God. And they're freaking out that they're being looked at for doing all these things at all. Because we know, if you look at my works, I didn't do enough either. The sheep and the goats both thought the works were good, though. I think we sort of maybe get a little too high up on our horse with our God helps those who help themselves speech. With our now, we can't just be given help out to anybody. Some people will take advantage of it speech. Because immediately afterwards, while we just get done telling everybody why God doesn't want us to help certain people, we turn around and tell people that Christians are far more kind than anybody else. Even the goats don't have a problem with kindness. They never really had a problem with the nature of the good works. In fact, that was their everything. They're shocked that they missed somebody. The only thing that separates the sheep and the goats is our good old Lutheran hymn. It's where you put your trust. It's a simple question that divides the sheep and the goats. Is your religion bigger than yourself? This is not going to be measured in your ego. This is not going to be measured in your works. 
That's a religion that's no bigger than you. A religion that is just be kind can never be bigger than you. A religion that's just do good can never be more than you can accomplish. This is not that question. It's simpler. Do you think God actually has anything to do with his creation? And in that, even the least of these, the ones that we are so quick to ignore or write off as somehow deserving what they got, we find Christ among them. For Christ loves them enough to save them. Christ loves the least of these, the prisoners, the sick, the hungry, the homeless, the weak, the sinner, enough to come into this world, into his creation, and bear the cross to bleed and die and save them, to actually tie himself so closely to them that to feed a little one is to feed him who died and rose for that little one. That is the religion that's in the rest of the book. Jesus actually wants to save the sinners. Do you think that stops here? By works, the only people who can't be saved are the least of these, which is uncomfortable, too. I mean, think about it. If it's your job to do enough helping people less fortunate than you, you sort of damned every poor person that Jesus seems so intent on helping, because who are they going to help? The stranger has no one to welcome. The starving have no food to share. The prisoners have no freedom to visit. And the sick only spread disease when they try to care. If you want to measure this by works, you end up circling every last person that Jesus would see helped and saying, you cannot be a part of the faith. So maybe take a deep breath and recognize that what saves is a simple little question. Does God have anything to do with his creation? Yes, our Lord came into this creation to save the least of these. And what saves is and only is being a part of the body of Christ. If you are a part of the body, then you are a part of the head, even the head who does these things, even the head who helps the least of these, even the head who heals the sick and raises the dead, even the head who feeds the 5,000 with but a few loaves and fish. You are a part of Christ, and his righteousness is a part of you. This is what he would accomplish for you upon that cross, that fulfilling the law where we have failed, he would bleed and die, and he would rise, that being baptized into this death and resurrection, we would receive his righteousness. And that would help us deal with the discomfort that we have with this text, because all we can see are the times we messed up. All we can see are the people we failed, we hurt, we let down, we abandoned. We can see the ones we did on accident, and we can see the ones we did on purpose. But we, even us, are a part of the body of Christ. We, too, are the least of these whom he has bled and died for. You are a part of the cross, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, where Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for you. You, dear saint of God, are part of the resurrection where he has conquered sin and death and rose again and tied you to this same new life where you will rise in your body glorious that the righteousness which he declares to you would be fully seen. This ain't so hard. You don't need loopholes. You need Jesus. But you have him.
We have a God who feeds and clothes even the least of these, even sinners, and then dares to forgive them their sins. To be joined to that is to be perfected. It is to lack nothing. What we didn't do will not be held against us. It was held against Christ, and it is finished. Only with the cross does the rest of the text actually start to make sense because the king says to those on his right, Come, you blessed by my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world, the kingdom was prepared for you. Before God ever spoke and said, let there be light, he thought of you. He prepared your place in that kingdom before you were ever brought into this creation to do or not do your role inside of it. God named you a saint. He elected you to glory. And nothing that you do or don't do can change that fact. God, before the foundation of the world, prepared the kingdom for you. Because it's not up to you to save yourself. It's up to Jesus. And he's really good at it. So take a breath. But he'll also say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, and to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So while we get so quick to start pointing fingers at all of the people who passed over me and will finally get what they deserve, recognize that hell was not made for men. God wants nobody down there. None. Hell was not prepared that people should ever dwell in it. It was made only for the devil and his angels. The difference between heaven and hell isn't the amount of works done. It is the God who calls us to himself. If you insist on a religion that is no bigger than yourself, if you insist on this standing on you, know what carrying that load feels like. It is not just guilt and regret. It is also measured in punishment. But also, you, you. Saints of God, know where you fit in this. Yours is not to carry guilt or feel fire. The kingdom of God was prepared before the foundation of the world just for you. You are a part now of the kingdom of God. You, Holy One, now are a part of the kingdom of God. Your comfort today is knowing that these things have already been prepared for you. You will not measure it in the size of your check to the needy, in the amount of help you have given, or in the places where you have failed. You can find your comfort in the God who has already accomplished these things for you by his death and resurrection, already delivered them to you in the waters of your baptism, and you can know that you actually have this. For before the foundation of the world, your seat was reserved. We, we put on Christ. We wear our baptism as an armor against ourselves, against our shortcomings, against our sins and our fears. We put on the works of Jesus, and so we receive his rewards even was received the benefits of his mercy. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, come, you who are blessed by my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In the name of Jesus, amen.